0: Please join me with prayer Danny father thank you that we are here not by chance or choice alone but by prayer someone's been praying for us father and I just pray that as we listen to your words now that we will remember that we're not islands that we are surrounded by support um, and that father God we have so much rooting for us and cheering us on in our journeys And I pray for Roy as well as he's preaching at Mazdaq Church today that you would watch over him. Um, And Father, for all those who are traveling or for those who are watching online who are sick, I pray for your Holy Spirit to give them peace and healing. And through this message, Father, may they know that we are thinking of them. I pray in your son's name. Amen. People often ask, who's your favorite Bible character? You know, and I usually have an answer for that. But has anyone ever asked you, who is your least favorite Bible character? I've had some thought about this, because as I read my Bible, I come across some individuals um, and characters where I just uh, get so upset as I read about them. And one of those individuals is a man named Aaron. Now, Aaron was um, the son of Amram and Jochebed, born around 1573 BC. He's not as well known as his younger brother Moses, who led the Israelites out of Egypt, and he also had an older sister named Miriam. Now, perhaps Aaron was tired of hearing the story about his baby brother Moses being fished out of the Nile River as he was growing up. Or maybe he was tired of being bossed around by his older sister Miriam. Maybe he had middle child syndrome, who knows? But for some reason, Aaron lacked backbone. And when it came time where he was pressured, whenever there were moments where um, he was challenged, Aaron often failed. For example, there was a time when God led the Israelites to Mount Sinai and he gave them the Ten Commandments. And after he, uh, he told the Ten Commandments to the people directly, the people said, you know, we're too scared to hear God's voice directly. Moses, you go and talk to God. We'll stay here. And so Moses says, all right. So Moses go up to the mountain by himself. And while he's up there, the people are waiting for him to come back. And it's been 40 days and 40 nights. During that time, God is giving Moses a revelation of the sanctuary system. He's giving him uh, detailed instructions about the priests and what they're supposed to wear, what they're supposed to do, the offerings. And God tells Moses that he wants Aaron to become the high priest, the first high priest of this new system. And meanwhile, while God is telling Moses about Aaron and talking about all the things that he's called to do, what was Aaron doing? If you turn in your white Bibles to page 75, which is Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 to 6. Joshua, go sit down. No, go sit down. (sighs) by apologies, um, <clears throat> Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 to 6, and this is what it says. It says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. And all the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, Tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan reverie. Not even two months after they make a covenant with God, saying, we will keep all your commandments. And if you remember, the second commandment expressly said, don't make an idol of gold gold. Or silver. In fact, if you go back to Exodus chapter 20, God repeats it twice. After he gives the Ten Commandments, he repeats it again. He says, Hey, remember, don't make any idols of gold or silver. And he says, Don't worship them. And they had all said with one voice, They said, Yes, God, we will keep your covenant. But alas, not only do they not keep it, but Aaron, who is supposed to be one of their leaders, doesn't stop them in fact he actually is the one to make the golden calf why a golden calf it's very likely that uh, Aaron was forming this calf from uh, one of the gods of Egypt they had been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years and so a lot of the worship that the Egyptians did they had come to adopt. And one of them was um, the goddess Hathor, which was a goddess associated with happiness, music, love, dance, drunkenness, and fertility. So all the kind of indulgence, um, the things that, as Lily was talking about, the things of the flesh that are so tempting to feed. So then Aaron makes his golden calf. He puts it in his hands, right? All the jewelry. He melts it down, right? And, you know, it doesn't take, it, it takes a while for to make something like this. So it's not like Aaron just kind of had a momentary, you know, let me just quickly do this. He spent hours melting this down, molding it together, you know, um, I'm sure with a hammer and chisel and whatever other tools, he had to, to shape this golden calf. Plenty of time for him to think, maybe this isn't a good idea. And then to top it off, when he sees that the people like what he has made, he decides to go even further. I'll make them an altar so now they can worship this golden calf. And then he says, hey, we're going to call a festival. And instead of saying, we're this is a festival to this God, he mixes the worship of God with idolatry by saying, this is a festival of the Lord. And we will use this golden calf. You know, a lot of times we still do this today. Religion becomes meaningless and even dangerous when we still worship God, but we worship at the altars of many other things that we like, things that pull us, things that attract us, things that we know are taking our our minds and times, and devotions away from our time that we could be feeding um, the spirit. And so Aaron mixes the religion, uh, mixes the worship of the true God with the worship of this golden calf. And so he is a priest but a compromised one. This is happening at the very moment that God is writing on tablets of stone, don't make an idol and worship it. And God knows what's happening. And so God you know, gives these stones written by his own hand to Moses, and he says, hey, Moses, go down quickly. The people have already broken and rebelled against me. And, and Moses, you know, he hears this from God and he thinks, oh, well, how, how, I wonder how bad it is. So he's going down the mountain. Let's see. Let's read what happens next. This is continuing in Exodus chapter 32. The, uh, Moses and Joshua are heading down the mountain. And Joshua is a, a soldier, so he thinks, oh, there's a sound of battle. And Moses says, nope, God already told me this is not a battle. This is the sound of drunken partying, basically. When they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf they had made and burnt it. Then he ground it into powder, threw it into the water, and forced the people to drink it. Finally, he turned to Aaron and demanded, What did these people do to you to make you bring such a terrible sin upon them? Don't get so upset, my lord, Aaron replied. You yourself know how evil these people are. They said to me, Make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So I told them, Whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. When they brought it to me, I simply threw it into the fire and out came this calf. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. In another translation, it says that Aaron had let the people get naked and they were basically um, the laughingstock of the enemies around. Who at once had been terrified of this people that had come out of Egypt with all these wonderful miracles. But now they see them making a fool of themselves and they think, Oh, these people, they're not so scary. Their God. Their God doesn't seem that powerful anymore. Aaron doesn't take responsibility. He makes it sound like this golden calf miraculously supernaturally came out of the fire, which is a blatant lie. One of the things that makes me most upset with my children is when they make excuses and when they make a blatant lie, instead of just saying, yes, mommy, I broke it. When they say, oh, it just broke. I'm like, no, 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 it didn't just break. It didn't just spontaneously deconstruct. You broke it. Say, I broke it, mommy. Moses is pretty angry with Aaron And with the people. And so is God, understandably so. So then the question becomes, why in the world does Aaron still become the high priest? Why in the world is Aaron spared from, you know, death? Let alone, you know, okay, let his life was spared, but there should be some consequence. Or maybe he can be a priest, you know. But why is he still the high priest? of God's sanctuary system. In my readings, I found the answer in Deuteronomy chapter 9, which is page 157 in your white Bibles. At the end of Moses' life, you see, for 40 years, the Israelites, because of their continual rebellion, there, there are consequences for their, for their choices, and so they're made to wander the desert for 40 years, and they can't enter the promised land. And at the end of that time, Moses is now very old. So Moses was uh, 80 years old when he was uh, first in front of Egyptians, um, King Pharaoh. And now, 40 years later, he's 120. And he knows he's going to die. And he knows he's not going to lead the people across the river. He knows that Joshua is going to take uh, leadership. And so he has this one last kind of sermon and exhortation and advice to his people. And he goes over the history, and this is one of the things he says. He says, remember and never forget how angry you made the Lord your God out in the wilderness. From the day you left Egypt until now, you have been constantly rebelling against him. Even at Mount Sinai, you made the Lord so angry he was ready to destroy you. The Lord also said to me, I've seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Leave me alone so I may destroy them and erase their name from under heaven. Then I will make a mighty nation of your descendants, a nation larger and more powerful than they are. Then, as before, I threw myself down before the Lord for 40 days and nights. I ate no bread and drank no water because of the great sin you had committed by doing what the Lord hated, provoking him to anger. I feared that the furious anger of the Lord which turned him against you would drive him to destroy you. But again, he listened to me. The Lord was so angry with Aaron that he wanted to destroy him too. But I prayed for Aaron and the Lord spared him. Yesterday, Roy took the boys to the dentist. Um, I was working on a sermon and so he took them and um, he came back later and told me the story of what happened. He said the boys... Um, weren't listening, as you saw evidenced earlier. And um, uh, especially Micah was, was uh, refusing to leave when it was time to go because he was so busy playing with the toys. And Roy was trying to get him to go out, and he wasn't listening. He Roy got frustrated, and so Roy said, All right, Micah, you sleep here tonight. I'm going. So Roy walked out. And Joshua, he said, sprang into action, stood in the doorway, turned and pleaded, daddy, no, daddy, come back. And then he turned to Micah and said, Micah, come, Micah, listen, let's go home, Micah. And he was so concerned as he stood there interceding on Micah's behalf. Did it change Roy's mind? The truth is Roy was never going to leave Micah there, right? Roy was going to do whatever necessary to get Micah to obey. But what it did do was reveal Joshua's love and concern for his brother. He wanted to intercede on Micah's behalf. And Moses did the same. When God says, I'm so angry that I do want to destroy your brother and the entire nation of Israel, Moses knows that God is merciful, so he pleads on their behalf. If you go to Exodus chapter 32, going back to page 76, Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, what a terrible sin these people have committed. They have made gods of gold for themselves. But now, if you will only forgive their sin, but if not, erase my name from the record you have written. In other words, Moses is saying, God, I know they don't deserve mercy. I know they messed up. He says, but forgive them. And if not blot my name out of the book of life. He's saying, I'm willing to die an eternal death with them. He knows God isn't going to do that, and God doesn't do that, but he's appealing with love and concern for his brother and his people. Do you wish you had such a person interceding for you? Someone who is willing to die with you, Someone who's willing to pray for you so earnestly so that you can go from death to life. I have good news for you this morning. Someone is praying for you. Someone who was willing to die for you and did die for you. Someone who prayed for you and is praying for you right now. Someone who prayed so that your name could be written in the book of life despite your past actions and choices so that you can have a second chance. Moses' offer to lose eternal life for his brother and his people, it's a pretty generous offer. But the truth is, Moses never had eternal life to begin with. Meanwhile, Jesus was God. right? He was in heaven enjoying eternal life. But he gave it up to come to earth as a human being. And to take on and absorb voluntarily the sins of the world, including yours and mine. Which was something that he was willing to risk. There was no 100% guarantee that he could be forgiven. That all the sins of humanity would be able to be absorbed through his death. It was in faith that he gave up his life for us. So that we could have that second chance. In the Garden of Gethsemane, as he sweat drops of blood, praying... Willing to make that sacrifice on our behalf. He was thinking of us. Before facing the cross, we find out what kinds of prayers were in his mind in John chapter 17, page 869 of your white Bibles. Jesus prays for himself and what he's about to endure, he prays for his disciples and what they're going to go through. But then he goes on to say this in verse 20. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's you and me. He says, I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, talking to the Father. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Jesus prayed for all the future followers to come. And the Bible says he's continuing to pray for us right now. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23 to 25. The entire book of Hebrews is talking about the sanctuary system that was established uh, when God gave the law to Moses and and what it meant and how Jesus fulfilled and is fulfilling those things. It says, There were many priests under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. So if you ever wonder, what is Jesus doing right now? He is praying for us. He's interceding for us. Every day when we make bad choices, he's saying, please forgive them and help them make better ones next time. He cries for us when we're suffering. He cries for us when we make choices that hurt ourselves and others and God. But he's not the only one. Romans chapter 8, page 909 of your White Bibles, which is one of my favorite passages. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So, so far we have Jesus praying for us. We have the Holy Spirit praying for us. But it's not like they're praying for us and God the Father is you know, angry saying, more, give me some more pray some more, and then I'll think about it. No, we, we actually see that Jesus is praying for us, the Holy Spirit is praying for us, and God the Father is also on our side. If you continue reading in Romans 8, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours. through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, God the Father loves us and is doing everything he can to to give us Jesus, to give us the Holy Spirit, to help us overcome in those moments of temptation, to help us endure in those moments of trial and suffering. Jesus is pleading for us and praying for us. The Holy Spirit is praying for us. The entire Godhead is working on our behalf and praying for us to have strength and victory. Without their prayers, we would already be lost. It's because of their prayers that we are alive, that we are where we are today, that we have all the blessings that we get to take for granted. It's because of their prayers that we have community, that we have purpose in life, and we get to experience the joy and the peace and the love that come with having a relationship with God. So there's four things I want you to keep in mind today. First, remember that someone is praying for you. The next time you're tempted, as Lily was sharing, to either feed the bad wolf, you know, inside the wolf that you know is self-indulgent, or feeding the the spirit or the the side that God is God is on, I want you to remember that someone is praying for you. That God is praying for you. That there are people in your life praying for you. Each week. Roy and I pray for each one of you by name. Sometimes we pray together, sometimes we do it separately, but we pray for every single one of you. The leadership team prays for every single one of you by name. My mom prays for you. My mom is one of those individuals that if you ask her to pray for something, she'll pray for it every day until you die (laughs) or until she dies. For example, there was a lady that she met about three or four years ago when my mom came to visit here. Her name was Joy, and um, Joy asked her for prayer, and my mom has been praying for her every day for the past three or four years. Um, and this week, Joy actually called, uh, called to let us know that she's getting baptized at the, um, the Asian church. And I told my mom, and my mom was very happy. She's like, yeah, I've been praying for her every day. So if you want my mom to pray for you, just let me know, and I'll send your prayer request, and my mom will pray for you every day but someone is praying for you. All three of the Godhead, Roy and I are praying for you, leadership team is praying for you, and I'm sure there are other people in your life who are praying for you. So remember that. The next time you feel like you're struggling alone, someone is praying for you. Secondly, ask someone to pray for you. We don't like being vulnerable. We think sometimes that by saying we need prayer, we feel weak, that it, it reveals that you know we're not strong. But The truth is, we all need prayer, right? We all need support. So don't be afraid to ask for prayer. We're living in a war zone. It's a spiritual war. And with the kind of battles we have to fight, we cannot fight it alone. So ask someone to pray for you. Find a prayer partner. Um, Find someone that you can ask for um, that support. Um, I have multiple people in my life that I ask regularly for prayer and it's such a blessing. It, it really makes a difference. I can, I can tell the immediate impact and difference it makes uh, when I know that someone has prayed for me. Third, I want to ask you to pray for our church. Pray for me and Roy as the pastors. Pray for our leadership team. But also pray for each other. Pray for those who watch online. Pray for those who are yet to fill these seats, pray for our church. Pray that we can be more like Jesus, that we can serve him better, that we can represent him better so that others outside of these walls, right, those living in this city can come to know and love God too. I know that many of you already pray um, for this church, and I want to thank you for that. Fourth, pray for others, even our enemies. Jesus said, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. In fact, when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray, one of the things he mentioned is pray for forgiveness as you forgive those who hurt you, Right? those that you need to forgive. And this is one of the hardest things to do is to pray for someone who hurt you. Right? That's how you know when you're, whether you've forgiven someone or not. Because as you pray for them, if it's really hard, that means there's still a lot of bitterness. And that's okay. But just recognize that and work through that prayer. This one is hard too. 1 Timothy I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live in peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. I find this challenging to pray for my leaders, especially if I didn't elect them, right? It's, especially when they're doing things that really bother me, right? Um, it's hard, but God says, pray for your leaders. Pray for those in authority. Pray for them. We need to pray for each other, to experience the physical, emotional, spiritual healing that we need in our lives. This is how He built us to be a community. In James chapter five, he says, "Are any of you suffering in harsh- uh, any hardships? You should pray?" Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and earth began to yield its crops. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings a sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. Prayer doesn't always bring us the results that we may expect or desire. For example, you may pray for someone who is sick and they might not get better. But what is it about praying for that person that makes it important and that God asks us to do it anyways? You see, prayer does something so much more than just blessing the person you're praying for. Prayer shapes and molds and directs our hearts towards God so that we are ready to then receive God's will for that person, for yourself, and for this world. And through that process, he makes us part of the answer to our own prayers. He's able to mold and use us as instruments of his greater purpose. When I was pastoring in the U.S., I used to send out weekly devotional thoughts. And now we have a team, which is great, to do weekly blogs. Um, I hope you're getting those by email or, or seeing them online. Um, but, you know, this is like 10 years ago. So we were. Uh, I used to email them out every day, every week. And at the end of my emails, I used, always signed off, praying for each of you by name. And it was just something that I always, it was kind of like the signature um, to that email. And um, years later... I um I heard from one of the uh, my my former members and she wrote me and said, you know, um she said, you know, while I, while during that time she uh was going through uh severe depression and she was um contemplating suicide. And she said that um as she was thinking about it um and she was feeling really, really low about herself, feeling invisible and worthless, she you know, that little ding, you know, email, um, sound came on and and she glanced and she read the email, the devotional thought. And I, I don't know what the devotional thought was about, but what mattered to her was that last line that said, praying for each of you by name. And she said that all of a sudden let her know she wasn't invisible, that someone was praying for her by name, that someone cared for her. And she said that was enough to keep her from going down the path of suicide. And it was the beginning of her seeking the change that she needed and the help that she needed to come to value herself as the way that God valued her. The truth is, we don't really know what someone is going through. At the time, you know, looking back, I had no idea she was going through that. Right? She had a lot of friends. She seemed happy. She was doing well in, in, in um, her pursuits. Um, she was a uni student. She was doing really well. We never know what impact our prayers can have on someone. So I want to challenge you to pray for people using. um, Let me make sure it's all there. It's it's an acronym. It's called a Bless List. You pray for their body. You pray for their physical well-being. For their labor, whether they're studying or working or um, taking care of people, whatever it is that their 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 day-to-day. uh, work is you pray for their emotional well being right? how are they doing are they are they suffering um, from depression anxiety from stress what, how are they doing emotionally anger guilt, and you pray for their social relational well being their family, their friends their coworkers you know all the people in their lives relationships are tricky because we live in a broken world and so there 's broken people and you 're trying to have relationships and inevitably they 're going to get broken and so You pray for those relationships, and you pray for their spiritual well-being. There was was a woman in the U.S., um, and I tried to track down the source, but I heard it from someone who directly had the experience, and so it's nowhere online. It's a a testimony that they shared. But um, the person was sharing with me how there was a woman in the U.S. who was very ill, And so she couldn't leave the house. She couldn't go to church. She was pretty much in bed most of the time. But she really wanted to do something for God. She really wanted to serve. And so she decided she was going to pray. And um, she wasn't really sure who to pray for um, because she had been so disconnected from church for such a long time that she took, you know, this is a long time ago, she took the phone book, you know, um, and she just picked 30 random names from the phone book. And she prayed for them every day, for years and years. 30 names, the same 30, and she just prayed. And she had no idea who they were, what they're going through, but she prayed for them. She prayed for them, you know, for whatever they might be going through, she just prayed for them. Many, many years later, um, something like over 10 years later, a pastor um, who was new to the area heard about her, came and visited her, And happened to see, because, you know, he's next to her bedside and praying for her and talking to her. Happened to see this list next to her bed. And something caught his eye. And so he said, oh, what's this? And she said, oh, these are the names of the people that I pray for every day. I just, names out of a phone book, she explained. And he said, "Can, can I have a look at that again? Something he said, I just want to see it again. So she gave it to him and he looked at all 30 names. And he said to her all 30 of these people come to my church. He said, in the past 10 years, they've all come in through various ways, but all 30, he says, I know them. True story. She had no idea the effectiveness of her prayers, but she persisted for over 10 years. Sometimes we may never know the impact of our prayers, but I want to challenge you to pray anyways. Now I'm going to challenge you right now, actually. There's going to be that song again that I played in the begin- beginning. While that video is playing, I want you to take out your phones. So, this is permission to use your phones during church. <laughs> so I want you to take out your phones and I want you to go to your contact list. When's the last time you went through your contact list? You know, there's people that I met once and I have their number. And I'm, sometimes I'm like, who is this person? Right? I want you to pull out your contact list. And I have like four people named A because at the time I think I just labeled them as A. And I have no idea who they are. But I want you to pick three names from your contact list. Maybe they're people that you know and that you've, you've, you have contact with still. Or maybe they're people that you haven't seen in a while. But I want you to pick three. If you want, you can pray and ask God to help you uh, pick three that you think um, are important at this moment. And while the song plays, I would like you to pray through that blessing the blessed list for each of those people. And if you feel prompted, if you think it's appropriate, send them a text and let them know that you prayed for them. Or if that's not appropriate or if they're not going to, you know, if they're not ready for that, just send them a text and say, thinking of you or how are you or something. Um, and Or if not, you don't have to, but at least pray for them. And um, my challenge is for you to do this today and try to do it the rest of this week every day the same three people if you could just pray for them and if you feel challenged by god to to continue to pray for them the rest of this month it's june right Uh, let's say the next three weeks (laughs) Um, and see how you go i want to propose to you today that not only will your power make a difference in their lives but it will make a difference in your life and so try it taste and see that the lord is good That the Lord does answer prayer and that he does amazing things when we open our hearts to him. So at this time, as the song is playing, if you could just um, pray for three people. And then I'll close with prayer. Dear Holy Father, we just want to thank you that you are God who answers prayers. And that, Father, you long for us to pray for one another so that through that experience we can be one, just as you are one, and and that Father, we can be one together in our love for you and each other. That we can be united in purpose to care for each other and to care for others in such a way that Jesus can be represented rightly. And Father, we we ask for your Holy Spirit to help us to pray in such a way that our hearts can be open to you, that we can really listen and obey what you are revealing to us. And Father, bring to our memories these names that we prayed for today. Help us to think of them throughout the next few weeks and to reconnect with them if necessary and to show love and kindness in such a way that, Father, they would feel that there is a difference in their lives. And I ask that uh, you would be all those who are watching, all those who are not physically with us today, wherever they are. Father, you know their needs and we ask that you would answer their prayer.